Oh, yeah. Afternoon, everybody. Welcome to What's Up. Hey. 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 Darn it. <laughs> There's my Joe Colton curse. Uh, yeah, almost. almost. Wow. You're, you're a little um, you're a little PG-13 for that crowd, Mark. I got a, no gimmick infringement here. I got the point. She's got the mouth. Fair enough. I'm your host, Mike Irizarry. With me, of course, up here in the top row, uh, former head of marketing for the GI Joe brand at Hasbro. Hey, we're going with it. You never hey. correct me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep saying that that was your title. It's fine. I dig it. Remember. Hey, it's good to be here in the brightness of the day. Right, really right. makes my pasty skin come out. So I love it. <laughs> Gives you a healthy glow. I'll be sunburned by the end of the show, but that's cool. You're you're behind a window, but that will not affect anything. Yeah, no direct sunlight. Yeah. Like you can shine over there on the wall. It's cool. Like like Seamus on WWE. Pretty much. You're made of uh, Philadelphia cream cheese. Exactly. That's me. And uh, speaking of Seamus and, and folks from the Emerald Isle joining us today in the bottom row, the uh, you, you may, if you're a longtime fan of the show, you'll remember when we had them on as, as the authors of Total Retaliation, which is how, how many years ago, guys? Oh. Seven. Is it seven, seven years? years? Wow. Okay. Yeah, seven years. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like seven years. Le left to right, Brian Hickey and Patty Lennon are with us as, as well. A gentleman, big hand. That's right. So uh, it's been a while. I haven't I haven't physically seen you guys since the last rollout roll call I made to, and I think that was five years ago. Was that London? No, I didn't. I didn't get to that one. I was. Oh, so yeah, that'd be that'd be six years this year. Yeah, Southampton, and I think it was yeah six years. Um, God. That was that was a great roll at roll call, and uh, I can't believe I haven't seen you face to face since then. It doesn't seem like six years. No, it doesn't seem like six years when you took all my money for that GI Joe fiftieth product you brought over in your suitcase. That's right. That's yeah. That was the plan, though. <laughs> hey, man, I was a popular guy that weekend. I have a I have a giant for the folks at home. I have this giant, hideous turquoise blue and turquoise green. Like a like a huge duffel bag with wheels, and I filled it up with fiftieth anniversary stuff, and it was empty by the end of it all. I, I was, uh, you know, when you're at Heathrow, you have to change your money, and I had had changed over what what cash I had from American dollars to, to pounds, and then when I came back, I had so many more pounds than I had come in with that they were looking at me a little bit funny, so mm -hmm. I had to make up had to make up some stories. Because <laughs> selling 50th anniversary GI Joe product would be just too embarrassing. Yeah, it's too embarrassing, but who's going to believe that, right? Well, I was stopped. I was stopped at uh, by the TSA in Las Vegas from the years I was in the states because I had an entire rucksack full of Transformers alternators. <laughs> Those are nice. I like. I was a big fan of that line. I collected yeah, that so line like crazy. I literally ended up going, it was 2006, 2006 for SDCC when I was over. And I was just like, well, they're not available here. So I'm just going to buy every one of them I see. So I ended up buying like maybe 15 of them, you know, of the different figures. Um, just in various comic shops and toy shops, any, anywhere I stopped. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and I'm coming through, coming through Las Vegas airport and literally duff a bag full of alternators in their packages still, because, you know, I'm not a monster. 
And the girl on the conveyor belt just gives me the dirtiest look. And she's like, there's a special line for you. Um, pointed me over to this giant machine that was like a hairdryer that shot pressurized air at you. Um, because apparently carrying tons of transformers to an airport is suspicious. I think that counts as produce is the problem. Is that the same trip, Paddy, where uh, when you, I think when you were coming into America, they asked you what was your purpose for um, for visiting? And you had that dilemma of, do I be really honest about and say I'm going to a toy convention or do I make up a lie? And you yeah. have to tell the truth. And to verify your... Um, well, you tell the story way better than I do. Yeah, so it, was, it was actually when I went to SD, when I went to New Jersey Collectors kind of about three years ago. Um, so they're like asking the you know, purpose of your purpose of your visit, and I'm like, I'm meeting some friends, and 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 the guy is like, where did you meet these friends? Like like as if you know it was like an Al Qaeda meeting or something I had been attending, and um, and I'm like, no no no, I'm a, I'm a toy collector. I'm attending a toy convention with some friends of mine, and the guy's like, what sort of toys do you collect? And then oh. I had to go into this whole explanation of Diaclone. Um, and eventually I started talking about Diaclone and eHobby and exclusives and Takara for long enough that the guy's like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, I believe you, go. came over. I was also nearly arrested at the Empire State Building for um, having Transformers in my backpack. Jesus, <laughs> dude. Was a G1 Megatron, right? I no, it wasn't. So, so for my for my honeymoon, I said my wife went to New York. And obviously, first thing you do when you arrive in New York is you go to the Toys R Us in Times Square. Like if you're if you're us. And um sure enough, I found a whole bunch of Transformers generations there that obviously weren't available here. So load up the knapsack with, you know, I think it was like Wheeljack and Tracks and you know, it was when they were, you know, uh yeah, Wheeljack and Tracks and the bludgeon. From Revenge of the Fallen, showing how old I am, how long it's been since I was married. You know the really cool bludgeon they did that had like kind of looked like the Pretender, but also transformed into the tank. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I uh, bought them, took them out of their package because I only had a little backpack with me because I wasn't expecting to find anything. And um, and sure, and, and so we went into the uh, Empire State Building and put everything through the, the bags and stuff. And the woman running the X-ray machine starts screaming, there's a gun, there's a gun in this backpack. And, and I absolutely bricked it. And I'm like, I'm screaming at security guards as they're running towards me, going, there's no gun, there's no gun, there's no gun. <laughs> and sure enough, um, she had seen Wheeljack's gun um, uh, on the yeah, X-ray machine. And it just said, she said, gun to her. And so she called the cops. I mean, well, of course, the gun is like this size. Right. Jesus. Yeah. Scale is a little off on that one. Yeah, but yeah. to be honest, I mean, if you're being really honest, you should have yelled, it's a tiny gun. It's a little tiny gun because there was a gun in that bag. Yeah, but like, also, I don't think any Irish man should be around the Empire State building shouting, gun, 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 <laughs> at all. Like the same way you shouldn't say bomb in an airplane. Yeah, they, I I figure they're they're probably still a little, still a little. Uh, I I guess I don't want to use the term here, but trigger happy regarding that in uh, in old New York at this point. So you just 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 put your hands in the air and get on your knees in advance and just save them the trouble. Anyway, so if you can, if your listeners want to take any advice from this, it's don't go to the Empire State Building immediately after going to Toys R Us. 
Not a problem. Not a problem anymore. Not a problem anymore because Toys R Us is gone. But you know what I mean. <laughs> we took care of that. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Bain Capital. For real. I never got caught with with anything like that. But my son came back from like an overnight Christian camp. He goes to a Christian school, and he decided to take one of my Transformers without asking, an old one. And when I emptied his bag, it was broken into a billion pieces in the bottom. Right. And I would have been angrier at, you know, the, the destruction because it was a, a rat, you know, one of the more valuable guys, except it was Megatron. He took the original Megatron to Christian camp. Right. It looks like a legit Luger. And so mm -hmm. the fact that it got smashed to bits at the bottom under all his Capri Suns and stuff, totally fine with that because at least it didn't look like a weapon anymore. Make sure you, it, it, it's a good, hey, for all you kids out there, if your parents send you away to uh, to a Christian overnight camp, make sure you're packing, right? Make sure you're strapping, because you never know what might happen out there. Make sure you're strapping the one Transformer that's never going to get reissued in the North right. American network. The, the yeah. one you should not grab as a kid. And he was like, I'm taking that, baby. I'm not going to ask, because he'll probably say no. We, we start him young, don't we? Yeah, yeah. He had to buy me. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to replace the old one. I made him buy me a masterpiece Megatron. He had to work that off, baby. That's how it works. Wow! Crack that whip, Mark. That's Robert. it. Don't take Daddy's firearms. Such as they are. Yeah, such as they are. I'm, I'm just, I still, you've told us that story on the show before, and I, I keep wondering, like, what situation is he looking to pull that out in? Got me. And, he, yeah, he wasn't, I don't think he even thought that far. I think he just said, I'm going to bring one that I don't use or don't have access to, and I'll be able to, you know, transform it back and forth over and over again on the bus right up, and it'll be a time killer. I, I don't think it ever occurred to him that he was taking the, I mean, he could have taken any other Megatron, right? If he wanted a Megatron. Really, he could have taken any other Transformer. And and it would not have potentially been an issue. But no, he took the one that legit looks like a real pistol. So And, he, and he's the crummiest one, too. Yeah, he's a terrible robot. Yeah. Right? Like, ugh. But, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd have been so, afraid of Transformers as a kid if Megatron had looked a little better. Yeah, he's a bad-looking bot. That's true. Great-looking pistol. Yeah, bad trigger placement. Bad. He's always happy to see you, baby. Yeah, yeah that he is. That he is. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, we're we're here this afternoon, obviously, because we don't want to make Brian and Patty stay awake until three in the morning to talk to us about their book. Uh, so we're we're going a little early. We we will not be here this evening. There is no second show. It is not the same as the first show. Uh, so this this is it today. So we apologize if you're normally here with us at, at 9 p.m. Uh, we, we got a few. We, we're not quite up to last time. Uh, last time we did a daytime episode, we were pulling in like high teens. Yeah. And that was a little disturbing because I, I was afraid that like all of our all of our fans are out of work. But no, this time. We're, it's, like some of the hosts. Right. Uh, unemployed and underemployed. Right. I'm your guy. Right. <laughs> We, Mike and I got you covered. Yeah, we we're, we're, we got that one beat down. So, 
Uh, and anyways, to 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 make sure that Patty and Brian didn't have to stay up until you know four in the morning to chat with us, we're we're going in the afternoon, and uh, and so everybody everybody gets the night off after this. So, I guarantee it's because it is the night here. It is. Right. Our- <laughs> but but what's going to happen at eight fifty eight tonight? Right, you're going to get a text from Joe going, "Where's the link? I'm all set." Probably. She pays then- it. When she realizes her error at nine o'clock, right on cue, she's going to curse. No, she is. Uh, she's on assignment this week. Remember, she's traveling to to do some some oh, uh, that that Orville movie that she's a part of. That's right. That's right. But she wasn't going to be a part of this anyway. This week, like next week, is going to be the first time we have a chance to to get her to curse again. Well, she'll she'll have uh, she'll be well rested. She she is for for the purposes of the show on assignment. Fair enough. That's where we're going. She's hunting down Major Blood. Sure. Who is apparently in Ireland. Yeah. Everywhere. Tripping over and we are. <laughs> I mean, it's fair enough. How, how many years has it been since the UK got exclusives that we didn't have here? I know. It's, it's really funny because the classified stuff has been so much easier to get here than it is in the States. I've been, I've been sending Cobra Troopers over to people in the States for the last six months. I haven't heard from you over that time, Patty. What's up with that? <laughs> I'm true. Well, I'm sorry. I'm too busy sending. I'm too busy sending. I'm too busy sending all of Boss Fight and Adam Rich's wrestling figures that apparently are so are equally difficult to get in the states. Um, and and like literally, I have a toy shop. Ten minutes walk, maybe ten minutes walk. True. Um, a massive Smiths, and it's like it has everything. And I'm just like, do you need it? I'll ship it over to you this week. And literally walk over, pick all this really expensive stuff that like there was this AEW ring Eric Aranya wanted, and it was like two hundred dollars in the state. And they were like five of them stacked up beside me for thirty five dollars each. And I'm like, how many do you want? Um, See now that yeah, we'll just, talk about that because they put that on Facebook sometimes. That always surprises me too because I. The one thing that I, I can find at any given time here, it seems to be AEW figures. Mm-hmm. Even er, like this morning, I stopped in at the one of the targets on my way to work just to see if, God forbid, Major Blood was out. Um, they don't even, have, for the record, they don't even have the GI Joe pegs cleared off for GI Joe figures. They're covered in Ghostbusters. Um, every time, like I, I'll actually be the guy who moves the Ghostbusters figures off just so that they see there's an empty peg that's supposed to be, and every time I go back, the Ghostbusters are back on the G.I. Joe peg. You can but, find AEW figures. They're right between the Ghostbusters section and the wrestling figures section. Right. Yeah, they do. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, um, that's, pretty, that's pretty close to true, though. Because mm-hmm. next, to, next to the AEW guys was like a whole peg of Big Van Vader. <laughs> and you don't you don't get to be you don't have a better wrestler than that man that, that's a fantastic figure right there anyways um so since we're doing a this is technically going back way back several tangents ago uh we're not doing a regular episode we're gonna do a new segment yay because there is news so you guys, you guys get to do news with us it's been a lean five years but there's news again <laughs> right it was uh there's a reason we were only doing one show every couple of months is, is this why the movie got so delayed because we didn't have brian and patty on 
We should have had this guy well, going years never, ago. They're in demand, man. You can't, you can't just. I'm just saying, we agreed to come on the podcast under a trader drops. Yep. A lot of power. <laughs> a lot of power out there. It was pretty well, boom, boom, one after the other. But that is our first piece of movie of news. It is the the movie roundup. And as we reported last week, the 60-second teaser trailer for Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins was released. And, you know, just for the sake of um, not wanting to pay somebody else any ready for the that this video might make, which it won't, but still. Um, 60 seconds of G.I. Joe Origins is out there. Uh, Mark Weber, we'll start with you. What would you think? I mean, I thought the, the trailer itself, I thought, looked really good. It's very mm -hmm. slick. It's very Matrix meets John Wick. Uh, you know, it didn't, other than the, the small snippets of a look at Scarlet and a look at Baroness and the, and the one look at the Snake Eyes mask, it doesn't look like G.I. Joe very much, but it doesn't have to since it's a, it's a prequel. Um, so I thought it looked slick. I bet your average moviegoer, We'll say, hey, that looks pretty cool. Maybe I'll give it a shot. And if you, you know, for it to be a big hit, it's going to have to hit your average moviegoer. So I got to assume it's mission accomplished for Paramount and Hasbro. The one bit that I, well, I guess two bits that I tripped over, uh, I think it's Storm Shadow's line in the voiceover where he says, for 600 years, our ninja have brought peace to the world. And I'm like, never really thought of ninjas as a peacekeeping force. But yeah, they're normally the ones that the, the samurai were the peacekeeping force, and they were the... Yeah. That. yeah. The ninjas were the 13 B-words. The, the ninjas went legit. Who knew? Um, but uh, maybe they'll explain that better. Maybe he's saying, you know, by balancing conflict or whatever. So, But, but that one line kind of was a record scratch for me. And then the one thing that I'm that I'm still really nervous about because, um, uh, you know, I've been on the record, a lot of people have, that the race change for the Snake Eyes character is really not important as long as he retains that outsider status, which is so key to his, his story and the wedge that is driven between him and Storm Shadow. The fear, I think, with a lot of fans is that they're going to go away from the classic backstory really far. And this Akiko character just seems potentially to be the, the actual wedge they're going to use between Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow and the outsider status, which was, uh, it's just such a smart way that Larry wrote it, uh, might get pushed off. And leading off of that, the idea that we saw the Snake Eyes mask, but it was just the mask and a hand near it. And then they quick cut to a shot of the actor. But there's no telling if that's the same scene or if that's just put together. And on the poster itself, it's Henry Golding looking over his shoulder at you like the classic female comic book cover looking back at you, but holding the mask. And so I think my worry and the worry of a lot of fans are if he isn't going to get scarred and going to get muted at some point, uh, then what, what, what's the point? You know, he's not Snake Eyes anymore without those things. And I'm not against basic change, 
uh, and it doesn't have to stick exactly to Larry's original uh, backstory. But if you're going to change some of the basic tenets of characters and brand, then it needs to be to update them or to improve on them. And my my real worry is that Snake Eyes is not going to lose his voice, is not going to get scarred, and that mask is just there because it looks cool. And that would that would really be damaging to the most important character in modern GI Joe history. So, you know, I'm still I'm hopeful. I'm not optimistic, uh, and the things I'm most worried about are still in play. But overall, I, I thought it was really good, and I thought it. Really, I think it, I bet it really hit uh, a lot of moviegoers as that's cool. I'll check it out, and that's what the brand needs. Before we we go forward, I'm going to give a piece of advice that one of our fans just threw out there. I don't want to lose the the quote, but uh, guys, add some Cobra Troopers to one of the higher Kickstarter donation levels, and you'll hit your goal in no time. There you are, Patty. There's your 10-minute walk going for you. Gloves for all. That's how you get that U.S. money right there. I like that. So, Brian, we what, I might do is, what I might do is I'll, um, I'll, I'll throw something out there that I will pick up a couple of major bloods, and anybody who backs the book, I'll do a raffle when we fund. All right. And enter into a raffle for some major bloods. like that. So let's yeah. see what people's reaction is to that uh, and, and see if it's worth doing. Brian, we have listened to Patty's story time. You've, you have, you've done the least amount of talking. Let's go to you next. What were, you, what were your thoughts on the 60-second Snake Eyes trailer? Well, I, mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, look, I'm going to just say it. I, I, I'm a big fan of, not a big fan, but I do really enjoy Rise of Cobra and Retaliation. And uh, so... You know, I'm, I'm really excited for the Snake Eyes movie. And, of course, I know it's not a continuity of those other movies. It's a it's a reboot, so to speak. Um, and I hear what Mark is saying, you know, in terms of his concerns. Totally hear that. But maybe from a, a casual moviegoer's perspective, they won't be as invested in the backstory of Snake Eyes. So it, it probably won't matter to them if he, you know, doesn't lose his voice or get you know badly scarred or disfigured or anything like that and uh you know th that presents a lot of opportunity um, in terms of how they can uh you know maybe reinvent the brand a little bit maybe by by tapping into a different market but still trying to retain some of the um you know of, of the existing fan base that's there it's it's a challenge for sure so and we won't really know how it gets resolved if it even does get resolved uh, until the movie comes out but, uh, you know, my sort of background as a kid, I mean, I'm an Action Force fan. I grew up with, um, you know, the comic battle Action Force. That's, that's what I you know, kind of read and, and, and you know, uh, soaked in all that material when it was coming out in the early 80s. And Snake Eyes in the, in the Action Force universe of that period is not the same Snake Eyes that's, you know, in the G.I. Joe history. Like, he gets very little comic book time. He has one story in an annual called Snake Eyes. Mm -hmm not related to the IDW 10 issue run that came out there last year. And uh, he's more of a and he, was, he was never actually released as Snake Eyes in the, um, in the vintage toy line here. Uh, we didn't get him until uh, later on. Later on. Um, he was never released as part of the Palatoy Action Force series. We got that figure repainted as Stalker, but we never actually got Snake Eyes. He got it. He got it. He got, it's, it's strange. He got a, He got a story in the annual in 1985 annual but he never got the toy uh the toy never made it out here 
and, and he gets a walk-on cameo in one of the weekly comic stories um again where he he does it's more like he's he, he just drops in by parachute takes out a few cobra sentries and just kind of clears the way for for the main gi joe force to go in and attack a cobra base but his skills are he's not a ninja he doesn't wield a sword he's got the uzi um but he he, he doesn't speak but he has a lot of thought bubbles so he's con we hear what he's or we get to read what he's thinking all the time um but uh, so it's, Snake Eyes wasn't really a big deal. Like you know, Duke was a big deal. Stalker and Scarlet, they were kind of you know gung ho roadblock. They they were the main kind of, if you like, what I would call Hasbro characters in the Action Force universe, like in 1985. Um, before them, it was Z Force, it was SAS Force. They were the big heroes, um, and, and a lot of the big stories revolved around around them. And of course, you know the Red Shadows, before you know Baron Ironblood reinvented himself as Cobra Commander. So it, it's a very different universe for us. So, you know, now I'm not speaking for all kind of UK G.I. Joe fans, but but I don't have that attachment to, say, the, uh, you know, the Larry Hanna uh, backstory for Snake Eyes or his origin stories for Snake Eyes. Um, so it, made me, it makes it easier for me to go into this movie with, um, you know, an acceptance if, of, of uh, you know, this, this new character and how this new character might play out as the movie unfolds. But, you know, putting all that to one side, I thought the movie or the trailer looked pretty slick. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a really well put together trailer. Um, though when I do see these kind of, you know, car chase scenes, I tend to yawn. I'm, I'm not impressed by, uh, you know, big stunts or big special effects. What I'm really looking for at the end of the day is a good story and characters that I can care about. And if, if that's delivered, then all everything else really is just icing on the cake at that stage. So I'd, I'd be hopeful that there is actually a really good, unique, original story here that when, when I go to see the movie that I'm actually going to really care about this character and all the supporting characters in the story. And, and maybe there'll be a surprise or two, a little twist at the end that I won't be expecting. Um, that'd be pretty cool. Z Force, they just they just show up at the end. Right. <laughs> you know, in a at the end of the trailer. They should have put a school in the trailer. Then I'd be really impressed. Right. <laughs> I think we'd all be freaking out at that point. Patty Lennon, are you on a new level? Uh, I am on a new level, but I'm also. Um, Brian's talking about plot development and character, and I'm like, no, I want to see car chases and fights. And um, and to be fair, the trailer did give us that. Um, I guess as, as like I am an unashamed Snake Eyes fan. I've loved that character since I was a kid. Since uh, I saw him in the um, Marvel UK um, comics over here, um, I've always always loved that character. So, but I also realised that you know that character has to change and move on as well if it's to get a new fan base. Um, you know, every other every other character with any sort of kind of vintage has been changed and had multiple takes on a number of times. Like if you take Batman. Like the Christian Bale Batman is not the Adam West Batman and it's not the Michael Keaton Batman. So, you know, you can still have that character and have very, very different takes on them, you know. Um, you know, to a lot of kids, Spider-Man is Miles Morales now. Um, and so, you know, there's nothing saying Snake Eyes to kids can't be Henry Golding, you know, that way. Um, if Henry is, does, does a good role, which I think he will. I think he's excited to do the movie and I think he has a, you know, he, he really wants to, this movie to do well. I think you can tell that from interviews and so on he's been doing. So 
I'm not too worried about that. Like the race change and stuff is not something I really care about. Um, as long as it looks cool and he looks like Snake Eyes and he moves like Snake Eyes and he fights like Snake Eyes, I don't really care about that. Um, I mean, there's a couple of good things. I mean, I think the stunts and stuff in the trailer look great. Um, and I think the, I think that aspect of it is going to look really, really good. Um, the fight scenes and so on. So that's what I want. I want like trashy martial arts action. I'll be, I'll be there on day one. <laughs> Looking for a fast and furious seventeen. Well, you know the 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 stunt team who are doing the fights are a very well regarded stunt team out of Japan um, for those kind of samurai ish movies. Um, so you know the sword fights are going to be pretty good. Um, and really, isn't that what you want out of a out of a GI Joe ninja movie? Yeah, if we're doing Snake Eyes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I maintain that uh, what we're doing here, we are we, you you were we spent the whole first part of the show talking about patty's smuggling transformers uh but i'm gonna i'm gonna borrow that term again uh we are we are building the gi joe aligned continuity you're taking bits and pieces of the stuff that came before and you're turning it into something that is universal that we can go forward with and and um you know look look i love the story from the 80s comics as much as anybody else does that's that's why i'm here doing this show now i you know can't can't lie about that but at the same time it's been done and it's perfect and it always will be and we don't have to worry about getting it again like it's always going to be there so i think the people who are freaking out about the story being changed eh, it's a movie and and you know the story you fell in love with wasn't a movie in the first place so there would just always be a problem with it so let's just treat this like it's something new and, and go forward with it and treat it like the, the launching point that we have to have for this brand that we love to survive and hopefully thrive. I mean, they've made a bunch of really crappy Transformers movies and it's it's blown them into a whole other stratosphere. If this movie is even halfway good, you'd think... There'd be no Combiner Wars without that 2007 Transformers movie. <laughs> Terrible. You wouldn't be getting. You wouldn't be getting all these G one excellent G one based toy lines now up for the last five, six, seven years, unless the Michael Bay movies had happened. Exactly. And ironically, there wouldn't have been any Combiner Wars without without this himself. But you know, <laughs> the, suddenly the money tap turned on, and you were able to do that sort of stuff. That they just, just say Combiner Wars, and you got me. I'm in. Yeah. Yep. Slow Big big money, Mark Weber is what that turned into. Pretty proud of that. Pretty proud of that. <laughs> so excellent. So we're all looking forward to this one. Oh yeah, we're all on a new level. We are all on a new level. And that brings us to our second news item. Do 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 do. Related uh, in package images of Snake Eyes movie product was revealed. And wholesaler NDA Toys published images of the upcoming Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origin movie figures. A quick search through their G.I. Joe listings shows all of the figures that were revealed in April, complete with their red and black motif packaging. And uh, let me go ahead and and I'll get this pulled up here. That's it. They're beautiful, aren't they? Wow. They're they're amazing. Snow job and iceberg and frostbite and (laughs) storm shadow and... But no, here's uh, Snake Eyes. I, I took a sampling of them. I, uh, obviously, we don't need to go through all of them again. Just go back and watch that episode back in April if you really got to see what's coming out. And there's Storm Shadow, and there's Baroness, and there's Scarlet, 
and that's that's the snake eyes packaging there um where you got the the snake eyes art down in the the bottom left and um very very pronounced arashikaje symbol down there and and the snake eyes movie logo up top it's just it'll be great for these are the 999 figures uh that's the 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 major focus of the the movie toys so didn't want to go too too far into that but but there it is so that'll that that looks great and and hope to see them on the shelves soon i i won't be buying a whole bunch of these but i'm excited just to have gi joe all over the toy aisles again it's a lot of value too for a ten dollar toy so yeah yeah, I'm, i'm totally down with this i hope kids buy these you know buy the truckload literally I hope they don't get all all get sent to Ireland. None here. But <laughs> I hope they do get sent to Ireland. And uh, I'm going to ask Patty to take a, a walk around the corner to the biggest toy shop on the west side of Dublin, and uh, and ask him to pick me up a couple. Definitely want to get that Baroness. Um, I'd like to get that Scarlet as well, like for ten ninety nine. In fact, all four of those figures there. I'd say Patty, just grab them off the shelves and. Uh, happy days and, and my army no, are, I'll, I'll, they're, they're due out in august 1st so i'll be i'll be down there in august 1st to pick them up gonna get that uh, that uh, night creeper army built up there brian <laughs> that would be cool that would be awesome in fact uh, that I, I would actually be really keen to try and do a few dial shots with these this new line of figures um i mean until we get them in hand we won't really get a sense of kind of you know how poseable they are i mean the, the promo shots i saw the, the, no real attempt was made to kind of put any kind of pose on the figures they were just you know plonked in front of the camera um but uh you know it, it's it would definitely be an interesting you know photo project to work on like to work with these figures i think they look i think they look pretty cool for, for a ten dollar figure i'd be uh i wouldn't feel too bad you know picking up a few of them well, they, they have elbows and knees, so I'm confident that you can do great work with them because you you do great work with the five point of articulation, uh, you know, action force guys or five point of articulation, Kenner Star Wars. So uh, we'll do we'll do a cheap side plug, Brian, for your your Instagram. Where can everybody find your 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 toy photography work? Um, Instagram. Uh, my my handle on Instagram is Brian the Hick. Um, and you can see my Brian the Hick there, my name in, in the in the live stream here. Um, if you look that up on Instagram, you'll find me. Um, it's the feed right now is is a lot of Star Wars stuff, and uh, there's I've done recreations of all of A New Hope, all of Empire Strikes Back. I'm focusing on the Action Force thing at the moment because obviously the Kickstarter campaign is live, so that's really topical for for us at the minute. Um, and then I'll be sharing the return of the jedi uh, images after the kickstarter campaign ends uh, and that'll run maybe to the end of the year uh, sharing those and, and paddy has worked with me on that that's a separate project from our action force project um probably not ready to reveal too much about that at this stage but we have collaborated on this together and it's something else we're working towards post our, our, our action force products i tell you it, it's truly a, a divine force which brought you guys together <laughs> Absolutely. The, up in the top. What's on your mind eight years ago? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm proud and and still a little ashamed, but but that's more because. <laughs> I just remember Gary said we had a 
we had a letter from somebody in Ireland. And I said, tell me the guy's name is Patty. And he said, the guy's name is Patty. And I lost my mind. So it was, you know, anyways. And it's funny, in that email I sent, I was complaining about how hard it was to find G.I. Joe product. And now look where we are. Right? Exactly. We are completely flipped around. Calling that progress. (laughs) I like it. I actually remember that show, uh, and I couldn't believe that there was another G.I. Joe fan in Ireland listening to what's on Joe mind and you know writing in and uh so, so I heard that and uh, on the what's on Joe mind Facebook page Paddy had commented or liked you know some of the posts that were up there so that's how I actually tracked Paddy down then after I'd heard that you'd read his uh you know letter read on the show and the first thing I did was I dropped him a message you don't know me but I've got an idea for a G.I. Joe book I know it sounds a bit crazy but how about meeting up and let's see what we can do and Paddy replied, and he actually said, yes. And I'm like, yes, as long as you meet up in a public place. Okay. Very public place, yes. <laughs> Paddy had several friends waiting at the next table just in case. Right. <laughs> never, never once asked to, to see Brian's basement. That's you got to be careful. Yeah, you, get, you know, we've had people contact the show and say, just send Joe down the stairs. There's a cot waiting. That's the kind of stuff you, you got to be careful. Kind of letter, with. Different kind of letter. Yeah. Equally uh, enthusiastic, though. That, true. True. And then uh, we do have one more, one more quick news item. Doo-doo. Hey, check out that guy. Go, go full screen here. I'm trying. Uh, Gentle Giants. Uh, of the 12-inch retro O-ring figure fame has released images of a Storm Shadow bust. Uh, this will be the first of, in a series of similar collectibles from Gentle Giant's website, and I quote, A Diamond Select Toys release, because honor demanded it. It's the first ever G.I. Joe Legends in 3D bust, and it's of Cobra's resident ninja Storm Shadow. This half-scale bust captures the sword-wielding villain in his trademark white outfit, complete with swords, arrows, throwing stars, and more, and sits atop a sword hilt pedestal. Limited to only 1,000 pieces, it comes packaged in a full-color box with a numbered certificate of authenticity. Designed by Joe Allard, sculpted by Salvador Gomez. Uh, The bus can be pre-ordered now from Gentle Giant. Retail price is $200. So, neat, neat piece of work if that's what you're into. I mean, Gentle Giant stuff is always tremendous. I was looking at this earlier, and not, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not into busts, so to speak. It's just not my thing. It's great if, if it's the kind of thing you like. The one thing that eluded me on the site with a quick comb through was size on it. it, it they said one half scale, one to two. Wow. So it's, it's half the size of a human head. Oh, okay. Well, what? Come on now. All, all human heads are not created equal. So if it, it Mark, half the size of my head? In Mark Weber's scale, it's a third the size of a human head. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay. I'm, I had missed that, and that was the one thing I was missing. We, you we're, know? we're the big hat club on this show. Got that right. Um, the Sombrero Club. That's us. Um, <laughs> it looks great. They, they, they didn't call it out, but it also features all that cool stuff on the back. Yeah. Um. And also his iconic, I'm not going to pay a lot for this muffler expression. 
So that's good. Now, I wouldn't charge him a lot for that muffler. No, well, he's not going to pay it. It doesn't matter what you charge, but. But, uh, I, I like how he has all of the Snake Eyes movie roleplay toys on his backpack there as well. That's really nice. It, it it always strikes me as funny, and I'm not criticizing the detail that they put in here, but you have to think that 99% of the people that buy this, this stuff that we're looking at here, people are never going to see. Yeah. Must mm-hmm. be facing away from a wall or something. So it, it, Unless someone is crazy enough to spend $400 and get two of them to have one facing forward and back. one facing back. <laughs> Well, show the back again, Mike, because from the front, you're like, look at those two swords, right? The katana and the wakazashi. And then you flip it over and you're like, oh, no, they're just steak knives. Yes. <laughs> they don't really, they don't even go all the way through the backpack. They're just, you know. they're more for stabby than for slicing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get it. I, I see why you can't put them any further, but it is cool. And Gentle Giant is great stuff. So, if this is your thing, I, you know, I bet you'll be really pleased with it. Yeah. If you're big on the statuary, that's not a bad place to go. Yeah, and good good for them to grab Storm Shadow and go with the classic look because the movie look is a little different, and that's fine. But there really hasn't been even the the classified Storm Shadow was you know that Arctic version. There hasn't been much classic Storm Shadow product out there in a long, long time. So this is a good, this is a really smart first character for them to do. I mean, this is a, a beautiful piece of of art. Uh, it, you know, it, it really is magnificent looking. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a statue collector myself, but I do recall that uh, a couple of years back I was at a meeting in one of the big design agencies in Dublin, and uh, the owner of the agency was a big fan of Gentle Giant, and he had the entire offices. He had basically had his Gentle Giant collection all over the place. So in reception area, on the stairwells, in the, the design studios, in the meeting rooms. Um, and the place just looked really, really cool. Uh, a big emphasis on more, maybe more kind of like Marvel and D- DC characters. So I didn't see any, you know, any. Uh, there was no, no Joe product in, in the mix, but um, it was, but it was very impressive looking in the workspace, and it really made the, the studio look pretty freaking cool. Um, so again, this is magnificent looking. Probably not something that I would. Uh, you know, buy into myself, but there's definitely a market out there for these kind of products, and um, it's going to look great in somebody's boardroom or a uh, or, or reception area for sure. Or as a really expensive duck pin bowling, <clears throat> you know, ball. So yeah, either way, I mean, you know, half scale. I was thinking paperweight, right? Because <laughs> it's going to be heavy. Yeah, yeah it's going to be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that that's the news. Yeah. He's, uh, he's our substitute sound effects guy. So yeah. gotta, I'm the backup. Well, I'm, I'm the understudy. We got to prompt him a little bit. Yeah, it's fine. No, I was just like Joe. A little bit late. We're making fun of Joe Colton, but Joe Colton's always there with sound effects. She's always, well, sort of, when she's paying attention. Yeah. She's 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 gonna curse us out so bad next week. And where does all that money go? The uh, official all all the cool stuff swear jar. Fundraising. You too can contribute to the swear jar. The link is down below. Uh, We call it a coffee account, but uh, there it is. Uh, So, but it is set up. It is the verbiage is there. 
you're not buying us anything. You are donating swears to the Joe Colton swear jar. Uh, and that is courtesy of all the cool stuff. Uh, so that brings us to today's real order of business. Only only 45 minutes of catching up, tangent stories, and news later. But here we are. I have, I have Kickstarter authors on our show. I guess we, I guess we should probably talk about your book. Yay! Um, yes. <laughs> there you go. Release that inner hooligan. Well, you know, first, thanks a million guys for getting us on to to talk about our our book. Like we're we're really excited about this book. And getting a chance to be on on the live stream with you to talk about it is, you know, really looking. I've been looking forward to it now all week. And uh, you know, Mike, I think the last time we spoke, Action Force, we were arguing over, is it a laser exterminator or is it a red hal? And you know, it's a laser exterminator. It is. Uh, it is they are the jungle laser exterminator and the and and the red hal. So that way we've got them both. Got them both, well, yeah. Yeah, the HAL is the laser is the jungle laser exterminator, and the laser exterminator is the red HAL. Swap, <laughs> swap names. <laughs> that um, way, we're both wrong and we're both right. Yeah, I can live with that. It's the perfect compromise. It's that communications degree at work. <laughs> so, so, anyways, uh, we we talked a little bit about your your history. How you met on on our very program, or as a result of our very program? Yes. Uh, your your previous previous projects, of course, total retaliation, uh, and and total hacks. Which, yes. You know, not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> not not. That's as, that's the subtitle for our show. Right. Actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the beginner. It's uh, what's on Joe mind? Colon total hack. Total hacks. Accent on the colon. <laughs> but here we are with Action Force the Battle Years, uh, hopefully followed by Action Force the High School Years. Followed by Action Force the Wonder Years. And we're going to get around to the Marvel Years as well at some point, uh, but that's a whole separate book to, to this. A whole separate 2,000-page book because of the volume of product that was released as a Marvel Action Force stuff. So, well, um, put a bit of kind of you know context on it. Um, you, we've had a you know a, a massive lockdown over the last year, and and, and last year uh, when the lockdown kind of kicked off, I started going back over my um, my Battle Action Force comic, which I have somewhere up there. Um, I, I got them out and uh, was having to read through them while I was locked down, and realised you know having stories that I hadn't looked at in a, in a long long time. You know, we're decades. How really, really cool they were, both in terms of the artwork and in terms of the writing that's on them. And it got me thinking about, you know, there's there's a big story here in in the Action Force history that uh, that really needs to be told. So I you know, immediately reached out to Paddy, who's my you know uh, partner in crime for all these books, and we started to brainstorm out an idea of how we could how could we tell that Action Force story. And there's, there's a number of components to that story. I mean, it obviously, it begins with Palatoy and, 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 and the toy line that comes out of that. But uh, the comic itself, Battle Action Force, was you know, critical to kind of marketing 
the, the, the Palatoy's action force. And, and at that time, it, it had no connection to G.I. Joe. Um, there were you know, a, a few vehicle repaints and, and drivers for those vehicles repainted. But the continuity was completely separate from what was happening over in America uh, you know, at that same time. And the more we kind of started to talk about this and brainstorm back and forth what we could do, we realized that you know there was a, there's a fantastic story to tell both on you know the, the, the Palatoy design team and the manufacturing team there, and then on the marketing side of the comic and, and those stories. And, and what a lot of people don't realize is that the people who are making those comics were the greatest writers and artists in the British comics industry at that time. Um, you know, what I think, you know, and I, I, from listening to What's On Your Mind, I know that G.I. Joe fans, they know who Larry Hammett is. They know who Buzz Dixon is. They know even, you know, who Kirk Bazigian is and, and their, all their contributions to, to the G.I. Joe mythology. Over on this side of the pond, do people really know who Jerry Day is? Do they know who, uh, you know, John Cooper or Jim Watson or Frank Noble, uh, you know, these great writers and great artists, like they're not celebrated in the Action Force fandom the way that, uh, the way the American creators are. Um, th th that was where the story really started for me, was to say, to look at these this wealth of talent. When you look at, you know, a writer like Jerry Day, maybe he's not familiar to a lot of your American uh, you know, listeners or viewers, but he's the, the creator of Rogue Trooper. And that's probably his most successful character that he ever created for, for 2000 AD. But he created a whole host of characters and stories for the British comics industry before he moved away from comics um, altogether. So he's, he's a huge name associated with Action Force. Uh, and similarly on the, artist, on the art side of it as well, Cam Kennedy is an Action Force artist. And he's probably better known in America for his Star Wars work on, on Dark Empire. Um, but we're talking great creatives Few, you know, built helped to create and build that action force mythology uh, in comic book form, um, and you know, I suppose that the, the comics kind of my baby. I get really excited about that, but you know, Paddy, I'm sure can weigh in there and tell just as paint just an exciting a picture on the on the, the product design side of it and, and the toys themselves. You know, so before we mm -hmm. leave the comics behind, though, uh, explain for the folks at home who maybe aren't as familiar. Uh, you said, you know, we touched on it a little bit, but Duke and Scarlet and Stalker and Snake Eyes were not a part of Action Force right out of the gate. What did those, what did Battle focus on? So they, I mean, if I flashback really quick on the history of Action Force, the very first series, uh, what we call Series 1, um, where they were just like shrunken down versions of the 12-inch Action Man to three and three-quarter inch scale. So they took you know, the top 12 best-selling 12-inch figures, shrunk them down, and they were, there was no mythology around them. They had no kind of character names or profiles uh, or backstories or anything like that. There wasn't even a comic at that point. But at some point in the, you know, very, very quickly in the history of Action Force, they, those 12, uh, first 12 Series 1 figures were redeveloped into all that tuning was repurposed into... The, the, the four Action Force squads, Z-Force, SAS-Force, Space Force, and Q-Force, and then the, the, the enemy, which was led by Baron Ironblood and you know, the, the Red Shadows organization. Um, and the mythology was then built around them. So when the comic battle had to pitch for, for the license, the Action Force license, to bring that into their, uh, 
kind of publishing stable. They they bust out of the um, uh, you know on, onto the scene with what the battle for Ascendancy Island. That's the very first action force story where Baron Ironblood and his Red Shadows take over Ascendancy Island. An action force have to come in and and recapture the island you know, back from them. Uh, so so it, that that was really where the story started. And that ran through 83, 84. And as we move into 1985, um, Palatoy shut down their design studio and started to bring in more Hasbro, Hasbro products into, um, into the UK market. So there was a retconning process happened at that point with the story World Enemy Number One, where Baron Ironblood reinvents himself as Cobra Commander. And then on the back of that story, we have a, a a story called Top Sergeant Duke, where Duke is then uh, recruited to uh, by Action Force to expand the Action Force team to deal with this new Cobra threat, um, and and that's when we start to see our the the, the first American or Hasbro characters uh, appear in, in the universe. Then, yeah, but they're they're actually quite different to the um, to the to, to the ones you'd be familiar with from the GI Joe mythology. They're all um, from various countries around Europe. Um, like uh, Scarlet is Belgian, for example. Um, so they're not exactly the same characters as uh, as you guys would have had in the real American hero at the same time. Um, even though they're based on the same toys, and the toys are the toys are pretty much identical as well, uh, the figures, um, in, in that last series three of, of, of Action Force. But again, they, they decide to go on in a completely different way with the with the storylines for those characters. And the message boards just lit up, right? Scarlet's Belgian. What is this crap? This is not my G.I. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it. No, it's not G.I. Joe. She's Action Force. <laughs> right? I, I have a I have a few issues of the Action Force comic, and they, they focused on Footloose. And I was amused. You know, of course, I got him as an adult, and so I was amused because they were portraying Footloose because he had a mustache. They gave him, like, that proper English officer's mustache, mm -hmm. little curls on the end of it. And, and just, made him scratch as well. Yeah, he was, he was very he was very upstanding and proper. And it was just like... But it's, it's, it's funny how much... He actually gets a lot of screen time in, in the Marvel Action Force comic. Uh, Footloose because it's it's funny they focus on as as you were saying about the Snake Eyes trailer earlier on, they really focused on the completely different characters over here as well. Um, like Robot Robot got a lot more character time in the comics here than he ever did in the states. Well, Footloose yeah, is a good example because he's the main character. Sorry, Mark. And, and Footloose well, he just didn't he didn't have any really American screen time. He shows yeah. up to live the armadillo at one point. Yeah. Whereas over here, he's a major character. I mean, Footloose is never uh, a character, really, in any iteration of Joe over here. Just a forgotten guy with a lot of potential, a very cool toy. But mm. he, he there's no Footloose story out here, really. He, he was fun on the Sunbow cartoons, but he never got that Spotlight episode. Yeah. Yeah. But um, So anyway, I, I cut you off before, Brian. You were going to transition over to so Patty could talk again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I never stop. Um, so the toy line, the toy line, of course, is developed. It's it's funny. It was developed simultaneously. So America and Europe arrived at the same idea at the same time, a five in a four inch military line. Um, but they developed completely separately. Um, and Palatoy because we're both the best. 
Pal yeah, Palatoy at the time were um, obviously were um, producing the Star Wars toys for the European market. So they saw a, an opportunity to Action Man wasn't selling as well as it had been. And they thought, well, why don't we downsize them um, to the same scale as Star Wars? Um, and this decision was taken quite late in the day. Um, there was an upcoming toy fair happening not too long after um, that decision had been taken to downsize them. So Palatoy were kind of up against a, a tight timeline to get prototypes ready for that toy fair. And that's the reason why they went for five points of articulation on those first figures, because they were used to engineering that sort of stuff with the, with the Kenner Star Wars line. So they thought, well, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. We'll keep them in the same sort of scale, same kind of construction as, as what we're doing. Um, and that's why they chose that five POA. Um, now, because they had a link to Hasbro through the mutual development of G.I. Joe and Action Man, um, Hasbro reached out to them and basically said, well, do you want some of our vehicles um, to use to, to flesh out that line? Um, and Palatoy took um, actually nearly all of the first year of G.I. Joe vehicles turn up in Palatoy Action Force. Um, in fact, I think all of them do. Um, uh, and they took the vehicle drivers as well, um, because just because they fully articulated GI Joe style figures could fit the vehicles better. Um, yep. So yep. you ended up getting figures into into the the SES Panther. It's difficult. It's tough to get those five five POAs into yeah the Panther, for example. You just can't. Um, they don't bend right to fit in that driving seat. <laughs> um, so they took, you know, existing um, vehicles. And like I said, nearly all of the vehicles made it over here in, in, in repainted forms. Um, and they took quite a few of the Action Force uh, or G.I. Joe characters and repainted them to match up with the, with the team's concept they were rolling out at the time. So as I was saying, we did get Snake Eyes' figure. Um, he's painted in his gray faceplate instead of just all black. Mm -hmm. I have him up there on the shelf behind me. Um, as as uh, renamed Stalker, we got Scarlet repainted in Z-Force colors as Quarrel. We got um, the Cobra Trooper was repainted in SAS colors to be Hunter. Um, you got Cobra Commander painted as Red Laser. You got uh, Destro painted as Red Jackal. And they were all packed in with repainted uh, G.I. Joe vehicles. There was also a handful of original vehicles as well. So obviously most American fans would be familiar with the RoboSkull, um, which is a unique toy to hear. Um, and Palatoy carried forward um, vehicles that developed for series one of Action Force. So it's a, it's kind of a funny toy line in that there's a mishmash of lots of different elements in there. You've got American toys and vehicles mixed in with British toys and vehicles, and they don't have the same articulation. They don't have the same styling. The one thing I would say is I think the um, when Palatoy brought over the American stuff, the American vehicles in particular, um, Palatoy really went all out with additional paint applications and so on. So if you take the, if you compare the Ram cycle um, to the Z Force rapid fire cycle, there's really no comparison. Like the amount of paint apps and additional stickers and so on and the Palatoy version is is huge. Um, I don't even think there are any paint apps in that original Ram cycle uh, at all. It's just green plastic. Uh, um, whereas Palatoy are just like, we're just going to put everything on here. Um, yeah, and it looks very different. Maybe the seat, but the seat is a different piece of plastic. So no, you're that's right. It's a different. It's a different plastic color. Whereas Palatoy are like, we're just going to slap on paint on it. Um, 
the other example is probably the the ATC APC, uh, whereas in you know that was almost completely retooled in the interior to turn it from a troop carrier into a playset. Um, so it has different seating. It has a medical aid station. It has a communications bay. It has weapons racks. Um, it has additional weapons on the turret, um, and of course, tons more paint apps. Um, Beautiful. Thing. So it's it's almost like a completely different vehicle. Yeah, I, I act, it's one of the few Palatoy vehicles I have is the ATC, and it is a treasured piece because it. And I was always like, I liked the APC even because I, I always felt yeah. like it served a purpose. But man, that ATC is a heck of a lot more fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a great, and I great think it carries vehicle. over to the other vehicles as well, you know. I mean, that, that was part of that relationship with with Palatoy and, and, and Hasbro. You know, even when you look at their Action Man line, which is your 12-inch G.I. Joes, um, on the Palatoy side of it, they were, were, you know, enhancing the products and then giving those enhancements back to Hasbro. Uh, to us, like, you know, obviously the Kung Fu Grip Hands, would be like a really good example of the flocked hair um, and even, you know, uh, improvements to the uh, the overall kind of, you know, body, the, the physique of the action figure as well. Uh, so there was, there was um, I suppose, uh, you know, a mindset of kind of continuous improvements with the, the products, with, with the design team in, in Palatoy. It's actually something that came up in um, one of the interviews I did with the tooling manager at Palatoy. He mentioned that... Um, they thought that the Hasbro were really terrible at tooling. <laughs> um, he thought that they were much better at it. He, he, he actually specifically gave the example of the original 12-inch Action Man, where Hasbro had everything on one tool. Um, and so at one point, the leg portion of the tooling got damaged, and Hasbro had to junk the entire thing. So they basically told Hasbro, why don't you make your own tooling? If you're so good at it and they did um and so they made it their own separate action man body type um where the kind of it's called version the version two action man uh tooling and um, where it's actually a much better it's got like he's got abs and everything sculpted in and things like that um, and they did it on um multiple separate tools to to avoid something breaking like that in future and ruining an entire tool um so he gave that as an example of something that they did kind of expressly against Hasbro's wishes, but then Hasbro ended up copying that on, right. on their end for, for, for G.I. Joe, the 12 inch G.I. Joe later on. Like where all this kind of information is coming from is obviously myself and Patty have done, uh, you know, fair bit of research on this, like looking online and you have to, you have to give credit to people like Dave Tree because so much of the action force history has been, you know, unearthed by Dave uh, and he, he's put it out there uh, for, you know, for, for fans to consume, you know, across all the different platforms. But uh, but in addition to that kind of our own research, we've actually uh, been very, you know, very, uh, very grateful that people like Bob Brecken um, and, you know, uh, Roger Morrison, uh, you know, have agreed to let us interview them. These are former Palatoy staff and they've agreed to let us interview them about the, you know, their time at Hasbro. So we're getting these first-hand accounts from these Palatoy staff, uh, the people who are there on the ground, on the front line, you know, designing the product, manufacturing the product, um, and, and getting their stories into this book. So the book really is going to you know, tell that action force story from you know straight out, out from the horse's mouth, so to speak, from the, on the Palatoy side of it. And similarly, on the comic side of it, 
uh, we're working with Dave McDonald's. Dave, Mac- Dave is a is a micro publisher um, who has a, a good working relationship with Rebellion Publishing in the UK. And through his his contacts, he'll be talking to the um, the, the, the few surviving members from the comics creative team. Uh, to get the comic side of the story into the book. Most of the people who worked on the comics are, have passed away. You know, obviously it's, it's been a very, very long time. And a lot of them were, were already very late into their career when they, they worked on Action Force. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but there's still some great talents from that era still alive today. And Dave is, is talking to them to bring their story into the book. And then, of course, it's going to be full of photography the dial photography that uh, you know that that people who kind of follow my stuff on, on instagram or you know be at the full force site would have seen a lot of that stuff um and the best bit is that rebellion publishing have agreed to let us include uh, loads of the vintage comic art from the 1980s in the book as well so we're reproducing that artwork so that it looks as as good as it looked back in the 1980s. Okay. Yeah, this is actually the first officially licensed Action Force product in 35 years. Easy, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really um, cool. We, yeah, we, we so knew. we're quite proud of that. That took a bit of doing to get, but um, we're, we're proud we got that because we really wanted to you know, be above board and say, well, we wanted to use the art for certain. You can't really tell the story of the comics without using it. So we made sure we reached out to, you know, the license holders and, and the copyright holders to say, look, can we do this? And, and got their legal sign off on it. So that's really um, that's really exciting about this as well, I think. Without getting into the specifics of it or anything you can't talk about, did that take a long time? Was that hard to do or was it receptive and pretty quick? Uh, rebellion, rebellion were very, very helpful. Um, rebellion, um, they bought the comics art rights uh, when they bought uh, IPC's entire back catalog. So, Rebellion have a they they'd be best known, obviously, to Americans probably for as the publisher of 2000 AD um, and Judge Dredd um, right. and those characters. Um, so they have been slowly buying up the um, rights to a lot of that existing British comics artwork from various smaller companies that did comics throughout the 60s, 70s and 80s. Um, and they got IPC's um, catalog as part of one of those purchases. Um, so, and they have been reprinting, you know, historical British comics, doing very nice, very handsome uh, kind of hardcover and trade paperback collections of various runs on, you know, famous runs on comics. They've done some on Dan Dare stories. Um, they recently did the Trigon Empire, which is a very famous comic in the 70s here that was never, never published, uh, previously been reprinted. Um, so they were actually very receptive when we reached out and said, look, this is what we're planning to do. It's a it's a fan project. We know there's a limited market for it. Um, you know, we don't think we're going to sell thousands of copies of this book. Um, and they were like, well, yeah, if you're, it's, a, you know, we'll, 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 we'll sort you out a license for that as long as you can get Hasbro on board with it. Um, and Hasbro took a little bit of doing, uh, but we got them in the end. Um, it literally involved myself and Brian emailing every person in Hasbro we could get a name for. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but we, uh, uh, but uh, but eventually we got to the right people, um, and and they signed off on 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 allowing us to use their IP for the book. Can you um, name drop the Hasbro people that were helpful, or is it better left unsaid? 
uh, it was a lot of, uh, I'm not going to name names exactly, but I'll say the people in Hasbro Publishing and um, Hasbro PR were very, very helpful. I know the guy at Hasbro Publishing. He's you know, great. You know, you know who we're probably talking about. Yeah, he's got, a he's got yes. a kilt, so it probably was a good conversation. Rock and roll. In, in fairness, they actually were super helpful uh, on, on the Hasbro side of it. They, you know, we reached out to America first because we, we didn't think we had to go to the UK. We thought it, it, America was the place to go. So we reached out to our, some contacts over there. And um, they, as helpful as they were, they weren't 100% sure who needed to you know, deal, deal with our particular query. So our query ended up you know, in a roundabout way, ended up being redirected back to the UK. And trying to get contact with the UK was quite difficult with, you know, a lot of kind of homeworking and, uh, you know, due, due to the pandemic, um, it, it was tough to get in touch with the, the contacts in the UK. But once we did, um, um, we got sorted reasonably quickly. So it was more a case of trying to track down the right person, the right department that could sort mm -hmm. of and once that happened, it all fell into place very, very quickly after that. I'm, I'm so glad you guys got connected with smart people who are open-minded about it because, you know, your book can only help their IP, right? So well, th That's exactly what we said. I mean, the book really is about preserving the legacy of Action Force. And it's, it's a great legacy. It's worth preserving. There's um, great toys. There's great creatives involved in, in bringing those toys to life. So that that's really it. The whole book is a, is is, a, is is trying to tell that very very big story, um, and and it, it's it's a it's our most ambitious book to date. If you look at something like uh, say Total Retaliation, that's I think it's eighty pages, something like that. Pages Total Hacks was ninety six pages. Um, we're for our minimum funding goal. If we hit that minimum funding goal of twenty seven k we're bringing in a book of 176 pages and it, it'll be an oversized hardback coffee table book. And then uh, <laughs> I've got a, somebody pointed at my phone and asking for some screen time. <laughs> I'm going to have to sort that out now in a sec. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if we hit our, our first stretch goal, which I'm really excited about and, and I would hope I would love that we, if we could get that far, it's going to introduce another 32 pages into the book, all about the unreleased special weapons force. Um, you know, Paddy's, Paddy's very well placed to, to talk about special weapons force. Yeah, so this is kind of a lost uh, action force team that never got produced. Um, they, they had been planning to do five action force teams and then the enemy team. And who that fifth team would be would, was split between you know three or four different concepts. And the ones that the one that got furthest along and which nearly nearly made it was Special Weapons Force, which included a repainted um, Flash as Bombardier um, and four new figures um, based on existing Palatoy sculpts. And that Bombardier figure obviously has a has a bit of a story in the GI Joe fandom because he had yeah. been you know, prototype had been found and nobody knew what the hell it was for quite a long time until Dave Tree turned up a prototype in a museum. Um, and, and, and they eventually discovered this whole entire lost team. So what we've done is we've um, there's a very talented customizer here in Ireland, uh, Ray Murphy, um, who's done a number of um, you know GI Joe and Action Force related projects. 
and we reached out to him and said, well, how, how hard would it be to you for you to redo this entire team with the exist, you know, the old product, you know, repaint the Palatoy product, repaint the actual uh, Hasbro product and, and build those new characters, build, build, build those characters again. So he's done that for us. Um, and the idea is that we will do a photo, you know, there'll be 32 pages covering off the history of that team, um, covering off biographies for that team, and then tons of Brian's photography of what those figures would have been had they made it out. Um, when Ray Murphy's in time. the comments. Is he? <laughs> he's done Ray's done amazing work. So he's done all of the figures and all of the vehicles, and even a couple of his own creations, what could have happened had Palatoy um had Palatoy created, uh, you know, and gone on and got those that team out. So I think that's very interesting. And I think, you know, I think that story is very interesting as to how close you got to having, you know, an entire new sub team um, using, you know, Hasbro product as well. Um, and, you know, and like I said, it was a mystery for a long time as to who that, those figures were. And um, so I think it's an interesting story for GI Joe fans. Pat, Patty is adding a whole new level of intrigue as his, as, as it gets darker and darker, we're gets slowly, slowly darker. Here, I'll turn, I'll turn on the light. <laughs> Patty is Patty is almost becoming a special effect over there. Right, but it's moonlight. There we go. Oh, hey, now he looks angelic. I kind of like the shadowy cloak and dagger thing we had going yeah, on there. Yeah, it's almost Patty the Devil there. Right, telling us about the secret force that so no one knows about. Brian, you were talking about uh, your your photography. I we have some of this queued up and ready to go. You want to show off some? Oh of your yeah, own? yeah, please. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, what are we looking at? Well, I tell you, this first picture here, one of my favorite um, action force toys is the Sea Line, which is a submarine. And what you see here is the pilot uh, of of that submarine, Dolphin. Um, riding on one of the kind of detachable smaller submersibles and then in the background behind him you've got uh, uh, his fellow Q-Force uh, diver Shark in the Stingray and this this is a little uh, shot that I set up in, in the studio here um, it, it's you know nothing is actually underwater it's it's all just kind of lighting and, and effects to, to kind of create that illusion but um it was a nice challenge to kind of play with the, with the different kind of toys and characters to see what what I could do in terms of trying to create that underwater effect. And uh, if I just flick to another image in that screen, you should be able to see uh, the Q Force leader called Leviathan uh, underwater, and there's a bit of a kraken sneaking up on him. Um, the Kraken is one of Baron Armblood's uh, evil creations, so it's it's kind of the Red Shadow's only underwater uh, weapon in in their arsenal. So um, it, the, the Kraken was kind of designed by by Bob Brecken initially with kind of a more like an eel-like face, and then the marketing department wanted some changes made, so he looks he has a more like a dragon kind of face now. Um, uh, in, in I've always I've always liked that Leviathan figure because um, you know he's he, you'll see there he includes the jump pack, but because he'd no corresponding hole in his back, um, you know like the GI Joe figures had, they they included rubber bands in the package so you could stick the jump pack on his backpack as his backpack. Whatever makes it work, man. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, uh, um, and then just the last picture that I'll just show here is probably my, my ultimate favorite toy of all time. 
the robo skull and um uh, basically laying into a squad of of z force uh z force troops um, we have in the foreground we've got the the mobash uh, and steeler which would have been the z force battle tank um, and i think the code names they, they carried over the code name steeler as well for the driver and then uh the Z Force medic and infantryman uh, in, the in the center ground there, and the Z Force sapper at the overturned jeep, kind of trying to battle off this uh, this huge flying skull that's kind of laying waste to, to everything in its path. That's an incredible photo. Yeah, and, and I, I've gotten to to watch these guys in action, uh, putting together these like there was a a program they did at rollout roll call the last time I was there where they were, they basically built a street scene out of a bunch of old cardboard boxes uh, and did it in the space of an hour to the point where if you were taking photos of it, it, it looked pretty convincing. Uh, so I, I have no doubt that this explosion effect was done with two twigs and a wrapper from a right. quarter pounder. <laughs> it's cut. It's painted cotton wool, right, Brian? Uh, Backlit. Painted cotton wool with a with a, a lamp sitting behind it, and uh, you know, I mean, if I break that shot down real quick, I mean, we basically have the the, the robe. Well, the, the the background behind the robo skull is just a sheet of paper. I've painted it black, and I've punched some holes in that paper, and then I've put a light behind that. So that gives that sort of you know kind of spray or you know fireball spray off the explosion around the around the robo skull. Then the robo skull is the next object in the set. So it's it's basically on a kind of a glass jar. It's just standing on an upturned glass jar. And I've got a couple of uh, uh, kind of um, muzzle flash effects, which are just blue tacked onto the the guns of the, you know, the top left and right of the, the robo skull. And then my cotton wool and lamp sit in front of that. That's my explosion. And then it's just setting up the, the other characters in the scene, like the upturned Jeep, you know, the, the few characters trying to make a run for it and, and the tank. And then it's just a little bit of uh, sand from a, the stuff that you would buy in a pet store or like, um, you know, for like a lizard uh, tank. Just sprinkle a little bit of sand down and now it looks like you're out in the desert. It actually reminds me of, of how um, in the movie Retaliation, when the helicopters come in and take out uh, the entire G.I. Joe squad, it should have been a robo-skull that came in and took out the G.I. Joe squad. So that's me just trying to retcon G.I. Joe retaliation right there. That would be, be more believable, I think, as well. I think they were trying to, to buy a legit, complete robo-skull for that movie, and it just wasn't in the budget. They couldn't afford it. I mean, just even buying, even buying toy nowadays is, is, is very expensive. So, uh, but it, it's it's the, your set construction, Brian. It's so simple that it's genius. Yeah, but I love the that the Robo Skull is slightly out of focus, uh, which it could be if it was in the in the background anyway. But it, it lends to the illusion of heat from the explosion, distorting the visual of the skull. It's really incredible. Or, or even just the kinetics of how fast it's moving. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's 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 really it's just it's great work. And and uh, do you, uh, Brian, do you have do you have the Q Force print image available? Because actually, I think that's one of my favorites as well. You've done recently. Oh, yeah. Let me do. I'll, what I'll do is I'll stop sharing just for a sec, and then I'm going to share a new window. 
that's so. one of I, I don't have any action force in in my collection and then that's something i need to get after but well, one I mean, of the things i, re, I it's, really it's, actually, it's, it's it's something that one of the palatoy staff said to me in one of the interviews um the production manager palatoy mentioned that it's it's surprisingly easy to find palatoy action force stuff still because it was so sturdily constructed um, that a lot of it has survived, whereas even G.I. Joe figures from the time, you know, crotches break, fingers break, you know, thumbs break. But the Palatoy stuff, um, you can still find loose and complete examples very easily because it was just so sturdily made and the five point of articulation construction lent to, you know, things staying together. Um, so, you know, getting the figures actually complete is not difficult. Um, finding them packaged and complete is difficult, but Loose and complete is not. Um, That's something I'm gonna have to look into because I love I love yeah. the stuff that ne that wasn't GI Joe wasn't brought over from Hasbro. Mm -hmm. That sea line is incredible, and as a big Steeler fan, you know I've always known that I was going to be after that tank and that version of Steeler at some point. Hank mm -hmm. Brian, how much did you pay for your Steeler? Like 30, 30 euro. Yeah, I mean it. I only picked him up there kind of recently, so it was probably around that. Um, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't. Um, it, it, you, you wouldn't consider it crazy money by any stretch, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and and then the tank as well, obviously, was was separate, you know, to, to that. Uh, I mean, as we know, thirty euro is about six hundred American dollars. <laughs> That's, yeah. In reality, it's about thirty-five dollars, <laughs> which isn't which isn't bad, which isn't bad for a complete vintage Joe anyway. No, no you, you, you could pay that for a bat attachment these days over here. So mm -hmm. for a flamethrower to go on your bat's arm. So it's a little nuts on the vintage stuff right now. A little yeah. crazy. Yeah, the Palatoy stuff is getting more expensive. Um, I think it's because a lot of a lot of Star Wars vintage collectors ran out of Star Wars vintage stuff to buy and then jumped onto the Palatoy stuff because it's like, well, it's the same construction, and I remember this too. Um, but uh, this is this is probably my favorite image of Brian so far for the campaign. The um, the two leveled Q Force entire team, um, where you built essentially a fish tank with a with a perspex level covered in um, plastic to make the waves, and then the lower tier is the bottom half of the of the perspex tank um, lit to look like it's under the sea. So I, I really love this image, just the fact that you were able to get them all in one shot as well. I mean, it's great with with a team like say Q Force, and the same with Space Force. They're 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 much smaller teams in terms of what Palatoy produced. So it was easy to create, uh, you know, say a single team image that could have a, you could have a lot going on and still show off all of the team. But it's more challenging with with a squad like say Z Force. Z Force is huge. The number of characters, the number of vehicles. It's you know you could do a shot when you cram it all in, but it will just look really busy. So we'll be dropping our Z-Force uh, team shot over the weekend. So you know, do keep an eye out on social media. That is going to drop. Um, and, and that's one of the, I think it's the SAS squad leader reward on our Kickstarter campaign is that you get the book, but you also get uh, four 8x10 prints. And we've revealed two of them so far, Q-Force and Space Force. And you also get an A3. Uh, Boss Fight Studios, or uh, Katrina Cerise Aranya and Eric Aranya's uh, uh, reinterpretation of Geo Joe issue number one with um, Action Force characters on, on the front cover. Uh, so that's 
that that's a really beautiful piece of art from, from Katrina and Eric. And so real real quick, while we're uh, while we still got some time, let's talk about pledge levels on your Kickstarter. Um, and this is all in uh, euros. Uh, mm -hmm. 27,000 euros is your goal, correct? Yes. And that comes up to just a hair under $33,000. Uh, as of mm -hmm. this second, uh, looks like you are at uh, 19 or 17,921, wow. uh, which is uh, 14,651 euro. So better than halfway there, 13 days to go. Um, you can make a 10 euro pledge, which is about $13. Uh, and that is the Z Force Infantry level um, that is receiving credit on the contributor pages of the book. Um, at 120 euro, which is $147, is the Kraken level. That is one printed copy of Total Action Force, the Battle Years, uh, shipped to wherever you are, and, and you receive credit on the contributor page. So, um, yeah. for most of our audience in the, here in the U.S., uh, about $150 to, to make that happen. And you had, you had made mention that you wanted to discuss why. I mean, I, I think it kind of speaks to itself. You're basically building a ref piece of reference material here. Uh, you've got a lot of folks to pay off with this, um, but go into that some. Yeah. So, well, I mean, on, on, you know, when you try and compare that price to say you walk into a brick and mortar store, you could see a book of a similar size for maybe 20, $30 or 20, 30 euro. But you have to remember that the, the quantity that we're producing is just in, in the low hundreds. If, if we were expecting to get, say, 1,000 or 2,000 backers on this, we could have costed and priced everything at a lower price because the more of the, your quantity you produce, the lower the unit cost is. Mm -hmm. uh, but because we've taken a look at, at, say, the previous Action Force books that were put out by Blood for the Baron, and they were getting backers in the region of around 300. So we're kind of expecting to get something in and around kind of a similar uh, number of backers. So we have to look at our production costs, which means to produce a, a, like a, you know, a high quality book, hardback, oversized. And um, that is, is as good quality wise as anything that you would expect to buy on Amazon or in a, a major brick and mortar store. Uh, but to, to do that at such a small quantity is really, really expensive. Um, and you can look like at other... really expensive. Like you could send people to the moon for less. <laughs> well, you look at other Kickstarter <laughs> projects that are out there that, again, they're, they're, they're high quality hardback books that are slightly oversized. And there's been a couple of Star Wars books in, in that kind of space that have dealt with, say, the vintage, vintage Kenner toys. And, you know, they're pushing... Uh, numbers of, you know, say £75 or, you know, $125. Um, while they're a little bit cheaper than ours, you can see that they're they're aiming for like a 1,000 backers, 1,500 backers, 2,000 backers. And, so, and also they didn't include shipping in their pledge levels. You had to add on shipping. So it was 125 plus shipping. Uh, whereas we're trying to be fair to people and say, well, we'll include the shipping so you know exactly what you're paying. Um, we're lucky enough in Ireland that um, our postal system has a special rate for shipping books. Um, so uh, it's not that expensive to ship books. 
um, from here. Like it's expensive, but not as expensive as you would think it would be to ship something from here to America or here to Europe or here to China. Um, so we were able to build in and say, well, we know the price of the shipping is going to be. So we can say to people, no matter where you are in the world, this pledge level, this pledge amount will get you the book delivered to your doorstep. Um, so we wanted to be open with that rather than saying it's a hundred plus shipping cost, which you know yourself, um, shipping cost to, you know, to America from anywhere or to Ireland for to America would be quite expensive. So at least this way we were able to say to people, well, we'll budget for shipping costs and include that in the price so that everybody gets to pay the same price and, and there's no surprises after you pledge, you know? So once and it's done, it's done. Once, once it's, it's done, done, it's done. And you got to remember, it is a, you know, the, the people who, you know, is assuming that we, we, we fund this, the people who get books into their hands, you're going to be, a, it's a, going to be a very small group of people who are going to actually have that book. It, it's going to be rare. It's going to be very hard to get. Um, and, and you look at other kind of, you know, good reference books that are out of print. You can see them on there uh, on, on Amazon and on eBay, like they're a couple of hundred dollars, three hundred dollars. There, there's a demand for for kind of high end books, you know, aimed at collectors. Uh, you know, th that's the kind of product that we wanted to create here. It was something that was really beautiful, um, you know, much better quality than what we, in terms of finish, than what we produce for our total hacks or total retaliation, um, and, and much more ambitious in terms of the, the amount of content and, and the kind of story that we're trying to tell with this book. Hey, it's Rex and Rob. Everybody give him a big hand. Hey! <laughs> Plus, you know, we have to pay for license, so there's that too. <laughs> yeah, there's that as well. I was, uh, unfortunately, we do not have the, the Merv Griffin theme queued up and ready to go there, but whatever. But uh, anyways, uh, so yes, it, it's it's really your one chance to get on this book. Uh, it's, it's not, they're not printing up a bunch of spares uh, to take around the convention circuit for the next five years to sell to you there. No, this, this is, no, we figure, we figure, we figure the magic, ma magic number is um, if we get 220 backers to buy a book, we'll be able to print 250 books. So, you know, myself and Brian will want to keep a couple of copies each for ourselves. I'm sure we want to make sure that anybody we interview gets a copy. And um, so that's another 10 or 12 gone. Um, you know, and then we need to make sure the license holders get some copies yeah. as well because they've yeah. asked for that. So essentially, we won't have any spares. At least I'm not expecting we'll have any spares once if, if we if we just hit our our our, um, our regular goal. Uh, I don't think we'll have any any spares go around. Yeah, so we need to we need to make sure that we get them to that number. Um, Absolutely. I mean, look, this is going to be if you've any interest in Action Force, this is a book you really want to get your hands on not just to read about the story, but you want to see those toys brought to life in a way that, you know, you, you haven't seen before. Um, we're not talking about half a dozen dial photos here. We're talking close to a hundred dials. It's, it's, it, it's a, it's a epic photographic project. That's going to be included in that. You get your, your main five squads. We hit that first stretch goal. We're going to get our special weapons force team in there. Uh, we hit the second stretch goal, which I really hope we do because I'm, I'm particularly excited to bring in the 1985 Palatoy releases, which is effectively that first wave of, of Hasbro product. That's your, your, your Duke, your Scarlet, your Gung-Ho, Stalker, uh, Roadblock, 
um, you know, torpedo. Ace of the space yeah. You know, superb, you know, uh, you know, Hasbro toys that kind of really, you know, took Action Force to another level. Um, it's, it, you know, not to mention your Flash. If you don't love Flash, yeah, hundred percent. Big up the Flash on the cover. Uh, and you know what, Vanyo's uh, Vanyo's illustration of Flash, he just the Vanyo brothers. They are like the Robert Atkins of today. Their, their work is so dynamic, it's so precise, it's detailed. Um, compared to some of the other great artists who are more traditional in their approach, the Vanyo brothers really shook things up visually uh, with, with their aesthetic. Um, they were ahead of their game, ahead of their time uh, in, in the early 80s. Um, and uh, They illustrated Flash across a number of stories, um, and they do his origin story as well. They just, as you mentioned, Flash and Vanyo, wow. Great combo goes great, um, but those figures—they they will be our second stretch goal. That's another forty-eight pages going into the book. Like it's just—you know—we'd have two hundred and fifty-six pages all in if we get the nineteen eighty-five releases uh, unlocked and included in the book as well. And then our, our final stretch goal, which it really is a, a big, big push uh, to get there, we bring in Ian Kennedy, who is. A living legend in the, the comics industry and Ian's going to do a brand new front cover um, for for the book if we can unlock that particular goal. Excellent and what 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 to is the figure that you have to get to to get to that point? That's 68,000 euro. Okay. Um, Ian is, Ian, Ian's commission rates are um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> But Ian would have been Ian would have been the um, the quintessential science fiction artist in British comics. Like he would have drawn down there for quite some time. Um, the guy draws a spaceship like you would not believe. Um, um, and and he works in watercolors and paints. Like he doesn't he doesn't just do he doesn't do things digitally or anything like that. He's he's old school. Um, like he's he's probably nearly eighty now. Would I be right in thinking that, Brian? I think you're you're pretty spot on there, Paddy. Yeah, so he's like he's close to eighty, um, and he would be doing an A two painted commission uh, for the cover, um, yeah. so that would be very very big. It's a lot of work, um, but it would feature tons of characters, all the vehicles. I just want to see him draw the Triad Fighter and the Robo Skull. I think like, that's gorgeous. Like Ian's not doing like a convention sketch; he's right. doing a professional art commission. Like. Despite his age, Ian still works professionally, so he's not retired. He's he still does. Uh, he still works with the publisher DC Thompson, who actually is a would have been a competitor to IPC magazines back in the day. And um, uh, so, he if you're familiar with the the title Commando, uh, Ian regularly does covers for that particular uh, publication, and they're they're just magnificent paintings. Um, they're beautiful. I'd actually pieces. suggest people check out his um, social media. He's been doing a lot of Action Force commissions lately. Um, he did an amazing Cobra Rattler there last week, I think. Nice. Um, again, fully painted up uh, Cobra Rattler. If you check Ian Kennedy Art on Instagram or Twitter, um, he did a Cobra Rattler a couple of weeks ago, and he did a, a Mask Rhino cover commission as well, which is yeah. fabulous. Yeah. So Kevin Kevin McCaffrey has fingers crossed for stretch goals. Don't just cross your fingers, man. Yeah. Share that Kickstarter on social media. Get it around into all of your collecting circles. Pledge yourself. Get your good friends to to maybe pitch in. Maybe you guys can share a book. 
do what you have to do to help this get done. Because again, we're we're printing. We're I'm, I'm making it sound like I'm in on this, but Patty and Brian are trying to create a, a reference material for the ages here. We're trying to put something together that is that is truly timeless uh, and captures the the great work that was done on this line back 35, 40 years ago almost. Yes. While we, while we got you here, we're going to take one question. There is one question in the crowd that's specific to you guys. Uh, I'm curious what your attitudes were when they came out about the re-releases. I'm, I'm going to guess this means the figures. Examples being Quarrel becoming Scarlet, or you had a breaker and then got our breaker later, things like that. So if you guys were, were collecting Action Force when that happened, um, feel about that. I didn't notice that Quarrel and Scarlet were the same figure for fucking years. <laughs> Swear to God! Swear to God! <laughs> quality use of it, too, right? I, I swear to God, I swear to God, I did not realize it as a kid at all. They were the same figure, colored differently. Um, well, oh. you know, I, oh. I just accepted it. Why, why did you tell us that on, on the air, Patty? Why did you tell us that? <laughs> will, I, will, I tell you, will I tell you something? Will I tell you something that I am ashamed to admit, but oh. I only realized like two years ago? I didn't realize that the Shadow Track and the Space Force Cosmic Cruiser are basically the same vehicle. Yeah. Well, do you know what? It, it's not really There's that so obvious. There's there. so much new tooling in it that you wouldn't realize that the base undercarriage is the same and all the rest of it is different. Um, we, we do but I just... Comparison here. Yeah. So... Um, so the Scarlet Quarrel because thing the, never the cosmic, the cosmic the cosmic cruiser uses bits from Star Wars. It uses bits from the Ram cycle. It's cannons of the Ram cycles cannons. Um, so you can tell that the front piece is the same, but otherwise they're almost completely different. And it didn't occur to me for years that they were the same vehicle. So the the Scarlet you Quarrel thing was totally under your radar. Yeah, totally under my radar. Didn't what? cop it until like I was a teenager, and um, you know, when I was collecting, looking at the collecting them again. Where were you? Oh, these are the, these are the same character, and it's funny because you know I knew like Prowl and Blue Streak and Smokescreen were the same toy, and I knew you know the Decepticon Seekers were the same toy, but I just I didn't see it with the two Action Force figures. Now, wait till you meet my friend Glenda. She's great. I didn't. I didn't hear, but I didn't notice there was a Glenda until the twenty fifth figure came out. I actually have her over there in the, in my in my display case. But again, I didn't know that that repaint of her existed. But yeah, I just didn't cop it for so long. Yeah. The same thing. Just to weigh in on that one, um, from a, within the comics, they're they're completely different characters. You know, the because you know when you read, you read about Quarrel and Z Force. Um, you're never at any stage thinking when, when Scarlet gets introduced that they're the same characters at all. Uh, I, I never had a Scarlet figure. I had a Quarrel and the motor, the Z-Force motorcycle uh, as a toy. I never had a Scarlet. So I never had the two figures side by side to, to compare as a kid. Obviously, when, when I, you know, much later, when you know the internet is a thing and I'm, you know, rediscovering all that, those childhood interests and, you can clearly see, you know, that they're, they're they're totally the same figures. One's just a repaint, but back then as a kid, that wasn't obvious to me. Um, similarly, you know, with there's, there's a there's a breaker in the series two, Palatoy uh, figures, and then there's you've got um, 
you know a different breaker then in series three again from a from a comics perspective you just accept that these are are, are they're retconned in so well in stories that you just accept it and and when you when you buy into the mythology in the comics it automatically translates over then into the toys so you're not um you know like there's a stalker in sas force it's a completely different stalker uh, in series three mm-hmm. but nobody ever said hang on a sec these guys have the same code name um you just you just go with the flow and and and, and go with the fun you know I think I think also the fact that I actually I missed out on series three. For one thing, I don't think series three was produced in all that great in numbers because they're very difficult to find even now on, on Palatoy cards. The Palatoy versions of those characters are very tough to find. You'll pay a lot of money for them, um, whereas you won't for series two Z Force figure or whatever. Um, and I think I also kind of skipped it because what happened is my brother owned uh, was was nine years older than me. So he had all of the Palatoy Action Force stuff uh, from Series 1 and Series 2. And then when I got into G.I. Joe, it had transitioned to the Hasbro Marvel um, Action Force figures. So there was a gap there between me and my brother where the 1985 toys didn't come into it because he had stopped buying them. And then I started a few years later. And I came in when we already had Flint and Lady J and... Uh, and Roblox version two and so on. So I kind of missed that year window where where um, you got uses of code names and, and so on um, with those figures. It is a blink and you miss kind of business. Mm-hmm. So I do. I like that with it. UK fans might have looked at the Scarlet figure and gone, "Oh, that's just a cheap knockoff, right?" Oh, they just yeah, who's this? Who's this Belgian quarrel? Right? Who's who's low rent? from Switzerland. Who's low rent quarrel? I mean, come on. Let's uh, we're we're running long, so let's roll right into shout outs. Uh, Mark, we're gonna let our guests go first. Yeah. Uh, Brian, who are we shout out to this week? Well, look. Got to give a big shout out to Dave Tree. I mean, I've, I've mentioned him a couple of times on the show already. Uh, Dave is that kind of. It, it, Dave has done so much work for, for preserving the legacy of Action Force that um, you know he, he really needs deserves a lot more credit than he than he probably gets. A lot of the Action Force content that you see out there online, in terms of you know old photos, uh, even the TV commercial, Dave made all that happen. That didn't exist in a digital format till he unearthed it and brought it out there for the rest of us to enjoy. So a uh, big shout out to Dave. Got to give a massive shout out to my buddy Chris and all the guys over in the full force as well. Plug the full force here and on the live stream. <laughs> um, you know, they're uh, the, the big supporters of, of the work that myself and Patty have, have done, not just on this project, but on all of our projects. Um, want to give a shout out to the guys over at Dublin City Comics and Collectibles. That's where I get my comics nowadays, and uh, and, uh, and 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 my toys as well. And I want to give a shout out to Larry's News Agents uh, on Ballymun Avenue in Dublin, where I bought all my Battle Action Force comics when I was a kid. <laughs> there you go, going old school. I will repeat the um, shout out to Dave Tree mainly because he's shipping me my Cobra Vipers this weekend. All right. my Cobra Vipers. There we go. Wow. Um. Uh, so hooray because um, I'm actually really looking forward I've always loved the Viper design uh, I'm not going too deep on Classified I've only bought a couple of figures but um, I saw the Viper and I'm like yep yeah, always loved the Viper design you gotta go there. Um, 
yeah, so I had to get one of them. Um, I'd also like to say thank you and hello to the guys in Dublin City Comics for getting me my comics every week. And, um, and you know, and Chris McLeod and all the folks at Boss Fight, Eric Aranya, for helping us out with, uh, and Katrina as well, for helping us out with the prints for the campaign. Anybody who's backed the campaign, thank you very, very yeah. much so far. Anybody who's thinking of backing the campaign, thank you very, very much so far. Yeah. Let's get the magic 220 backers numbers so we can all get this book. Um, uh, and thanks to the former Palatoy staff who've, you know, allowed, uh, answered all of our dumb questions about a toy line they worked on 40 years ago and barely remember. Um, we've got some really great insights for the book, like crazy stuff that I don't think anybody's ever heard before. Like, do you know there's an abandoned coal mine outside of Leicester that has hundreds of thousands of Star Wars and action don't tell anybody where That's their secret. We're going there. And nobody knows where it is now. There literally is a coal sh- like a mine shaft full of old vintage Star Wars toys under that town. If, if the book is funded and printed, we will mark that location on a map, right? <laughs> hidden. Hidden in And we'll all go digging for Robosclaws. <laughs> awesome. I, I, I mean, I, I'm vaccinated, so I'll be there, man. I'll, I'll have a shovel. Hey. Well, we just we just have to find a, it. There was actually a report about it this week because they're worried that the, 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 they're building houses in the area now and they don't know where these old mine shafts are. Um, but the rumor is they're full of old Action Man and, and, and Action Force and Star Wars product. And one of the Palatoid designers confirmed that to us that there is a an abandoned mine shaft, but nobody remembers where it is. Well, right. Palatoid made a lot more stuff than just Action Force or Action Man or Star Wars. They, there's a load of other toys there that nobody wants to collect, and maybe that's what's in the mine shafts. Uh, no, we, I've been told. I've been told Action Force product is in them. We we can leave the rest of it down there. Uh, Mark, start looking into plane plane ride uh, ticket prices now. Road trip. You'll you'll earn it back in um, you'll earn it back in Robo Skulls. Yeah, we'll have to figure something out because I can't swim. So, <laughs> Mark Weber, who are you shouting out? You know, uh, it, it kind of occurred to me uh, as we were talking along uh, from a, a LinkedIn notice I got today, 15-year uh, anniversary for Michael Kelly at Hasbro. And he's one of my very favorite people. Uh, he's the VP of their publishing department and just an all-around great guy who, uh, confirmed or not, I'm sure had uh, had some fingerprints on the approval process. Uh, for it this may or book. may not have been an email to Michael Kelly. I may or may him. not have been to... Uh, to uh, Michael Kelly. So one of my very favorite people at Hasbro, uh, head of the publishing department, and it's his 15-year anniversary there today. So Michael Kelly and all the good work his publishing department does, congratulations, and uh, here's to 15 more. And all you got, Mark, you just give us the discount one? I like, not the discount, the spotlight. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to our uh, the fourth man on the on the what's on Joe Mind team, Rack Time Rob, who is passed out on the couch already. Uh, uh, shout out there! Shout out to Joe Colton who couldn't be with us today uh, on assignment, filming a movie or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll talk to her next week. Uh, give a shout out to our fine sponsors at Kokomo Toys. Uh, sing with me the Kokomo Toys theme song. Kokomo, Kokomo, Kokomo Toys. Kokomo, Kokomo. Kokomo. We really need the lyrics on screen with the little bouncing ball so you can <laughs> we we uh, we need people to donate to our, our coffee down there so we can up our screen stream yard uh 
membership. Uh, but a, a big thanks to everybody who joined us this afternoon. Once again, our, our viewership got up into the high teens, which makes me wonder if maybe our job situations aren't so great. But thank you for, for joining us all the same. Um, thank you to everybody who is tuning in on this one later, which will be most of our viewership. But, hey, no problems there. Make sure that you catch the link to the Kickstarter down below. Uh, that is what you need to be checking out for yourself and pledging. That is what you need to be sharing in all your collector circles and getting them to pledge too. Uh, we need to make this one happen. We need to give our this is this is the Kickstarter that this is the sort of project that needs the what's on Joe Mine push. We don't we don't back a whole lot of things that don't get to the finish line. We, we're, we're counting on you guys to help us get there. Uh, and well, of course, the people are are kind of you know maybe on the fence a little bit on this one. Um, it's it, Take the chance because we promise you this is going to be something really, really special, not just in terms of kind of the whole visual aesthetic, uh, but also that the story that that's being told is, I mean, it's a great story uh, and it's, it's really, really detailed um, and, and beautifully told. So, you know, take a chance, please give us your support, help us make this happen and um, you'll be glad you did. Yeah, these are not guys who are just throwing something together at the last minute. This is an established team that has done similar work on other properties in the past. You can count on this book happening. Uh, this is not some some vapor project that is going to disappear as soon as you pledge. These guys are actually they actually make books. We can prove if it. We, if, we, if we wanted to rip off people, I think we would have picked a more successful IP than Action yeah, Force. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something yeah. would have got us a couple of thousand backers and hundreds right. of thousands of dollars yeah, you know. instead of seven thousand we're, we're looking for for this. Right. Mike, I think Mike makes a great point here. This is not their first rodeo, right? And if it wasn't taken, these guys would be noted authors, Brian Hickey and Padman, right? Yeah. I, I think so. That's I think past, past noted. Yeah. Perhaps. Maybe. I'm just saying, one of those is trademarked. I'm pretty sure, but but yeah, fine. We can't go throwing that that title around. That's special, and he's going to come after us, right? It's like limited edition. Yeah, you know, we start calling other people noted author, yeah. and you know, James James Cavanaugh is just going to show up off camera and just start. It's, you'll see the haymaker land. Start strangling me. Yeah, if you look in the mirror and say noted author three times, James Cavanaugh appears. Just appears in, in a poof of purple smoke, wearing a poncho and a sombrero. That's it, so be careful. The last time we saw James uh, was, uh, well, the last time I saw him on this side of the pond, um, he was uh, the scariest looking Skeletron I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and find pictures of that one. But, uh, <laughs> just go on to Facebook and search for uh, Roll Out Roll Call 2014, and um, it's there. Believe me, <laughs> it is. It is. I uh, I got to do that recently. I have pictures of him dressed up as Crimson Crystal Ball, but that's for another day. But uh, for my guests, Brian Hickey, Patty Lennon, thank you so much for joining us this evening, oh. afternoon, whatever the what is it where you guys Thanks, are? Tuesday morning. What is it? It's a it's 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 a it's it's a late Friday night. Okay, Friday afternoon here. I'm thinking it's like Sunday 3 a.m. I don't know. I uh, whatever. But uh, for for again, Brian Hickey, Patty Lennon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys. Uh, uh, for thank you guys. My, for my co-host Mark the Honcho Weber. Uh, I'm Mike Harris Be sure to join us next Friday uh, for another edition of What's on Joe Mind. 
uh, do the right thing, get yourself vaccinated, uh, keep everybody else healthy, safe, and 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 together, and and we will will all be back to normal before you know it, or as normal as we get around these parts. Uh, but have a great evening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Whatever you want to say. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.